following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. We're going to go back to this, do something I don't often do, but I feel led of the Lord to do today. In John 13, we'll begin in verse 1. John 13, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil now having, uh, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded him, uh, girdeth himself. And after he poureth water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then he cometh he to Simon Peter, and, and Peter saith to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, uh, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said unto him, uh, answered him, If I wash thee not, Thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and a year clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Again, we're continuing with our study here in the book of John, the Gospel of John, and we have been talking for those who have not always here on uh, Sunday school, Christ uh, and washing the disciples' feet. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we look at and visit this passage of Scripture again in this hour, I pray, Father, that you would help those in this room who are here to uh, search their own hearts today. And Father, I pray, God, that you would help them to know whether they are truly saved or not today. And Father, there is a great burden on my heart. Father, having uh, dealt with some things recently, a burden on my heart as to whether people are truly saved or not. Father, many profess Christ, but not all know Christ. I pray, God, that you bless this time this morning. And Father, do what only you can do in the hearts. Father, give assurance to those who are saved. And Father, cause those who are not to seek thee. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Christ and washing his disciples' feet. Now, again, we have talked, and I'll do a little review here to bring some of these others who are not, have not been with us in Sunday school. And I would encourage you to be here if you can be. But um, we have been talking about Christ and his washing his, his uh, disciples' feet. We talked, uh, first of all, we have talked about Christ's concern prior to the feast of the Passover and institution of the Lord's Supper. The, the, if you look with me to verse 1 now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that, all, that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went together, were things that uh, the Lord was concerned about. Here we talked about the fact that Jesus knows that he's on his way home, by, uh, home to heaven by the way of the cross. If you will, look with me to Matthew 26. Matthew 26 and 1. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 1. His way home was not a smooth path but a rough path, an important path for the goodness and help and grace of God to, to sinners in Matthew 26 and 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and scribes and the elders of the people, under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Jesus knew that he was on his way to heaven to go home, but he was going home by the way of the cross, as we've seen in John 14 and 1. John 14 and verse 1, the Bible says here, as we talked in Sunday school as well, let not your heart be troubled, 
What a blessing, folks, for Christians. Though the world seems like an absolute mess, there's a, play, a better place that we're headed for, amen? In uh, John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ was going home to heaven, going home to prepare a place for all of us who are saved by the grace of God and, and prepare that place for us. But he had to go home by the way of the cross or else there would not be a home for us in heaven, a place for us. And so he, was, he knew he was going to go home by the way of the cross. And as well, uh, we find in, in uh, John 13 and 1, <clears throat> Uh, John 13 and 1, that he loved his own and he loved them unto the end. Here in verse 1 now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. What a blessing that, that the love of God is eternal and everlasting. Romans 8 again, Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 Romans 8 and 35, as we're doing a little review to bring us up to where God would have us to be today. Romans 8 and 35, who shall separate us uh, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And you know what, folks, the Christians in Ukraine are, are probably having to wonder, you know, does the love of God, does it have an end? You know, they're, they're facing great difficulty, but folks, even Christians that have nothing but war and trial and difficulty, have the Lord, have the Lord's love unto the end. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. He's writing to people who understood persecution. Nay, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, Putin may take their freedom, but he can't take the love of God from them. Amen. And so what a blessing that is so for us. Though we're not living under the conditions they are and dealing with some of those things, sometimes we find ourselves dealing with difficult things in our lives, maybe wondering, does the Lord still love me? And folks, God loves us and will take us home to heaven with him uh, someday. And then we talked about the fact that Christ takes upon himself the form of a servant. Looking back to John uh, 13, John chapter 13. <clears throat> and we'll look, if you will, to verse 12, so after he had washed their feet and taken his garments, was set down again, he said unto them, Know you what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye all also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that sent is greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happier ye if you do them. He became, the, if you will, the example of a servant leader uh, to his people. And what a blessing he has been and continues to be, if you will. Again, as we talked in uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew 20, Matthew chapter 20. And looking at verse 25, Matthew 20 and verse 25. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And thanks be to God that he did that great service for us when he went to the cross of Calvary and died in our place. Died to do something that we could not do for ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. He is mighty in himself to save us as well. And then we began to consider 
if you will, Christ's concern for his disciples, submission to his word and his will. Looking back to John 13, verses 6 through 10. John 13, verses 6 through 10. <clears throat> then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? We know that Peter was concerned. He did not want to be disrespectful to the Lord. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore uh, said he, ye, shall, ye are not all clean. We, knew that, we know that Christ was concerned about the submission of his disciples to, um, <clears throat> to if you will, his word and his will. And we, we considered, if you will, in verses 6 and 7, the fact that submission to God is believing his word and his will is what's best, even if we don't understand it. Again, Peter seemed to be struggling with understanding the will of God. And I mean, he said, Dost, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And he said, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And you know, folks, a lot of times God will teach us things that we don't always understand initially, but he teaches us these things so that in time to come, we will understand as, as uh, he reminds us of them and, and to help us, if you will. Uh, look with me to um, Hebrews 10, Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and 32. Bible says we're to walk by faith and not by sight. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. But in verse 32 of Hebrews 10, as Paul is writing to persecuted believers, trying to encourage them in, in their faith, in the word of God, and uh, the will of God, he says in verse 32, But call to remembrance, the former days in which after you were illuminated, you were you endured a great fight of affliction, partly while she were made a gazing stock, both by the reproaches and afflictions, partly while she became companions of them that were so used. For he had uh, compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing that in yourselves you have a, in heaven a better and, a, and an enduring substance. And you know, he's talking about how they had given to him helped him in the ministry in the midst of their own misery and difficulty. They did that. And he says to them, he did that in a sense by faith, by their confidence. And he says, cast not away, verse 35, your confidence. Confidence in who? In the Lord, <clears throat> which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And so we talked about that before, the fact that submission to God is believing his word and as well as what is best, even if we don't always understand. And then we talked uh, this morning about, uh, in Sunday school this morning, submission to God's word and will as evidence of our spiritual cleansing. Looking back to John 13, John chapter 13, as we're trying to bring you up to where we're going to be today. John 13, looking at verse 8. John 13, looking at verse 8. Peter saith unto him, talking to Jesus as he was about to wash his feet, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. He's talking about a spiritual cleansing, uh, not an actual cleansing that, that came about because he was washing their feet. If it's Psalm 119, if you look there with me, Psalm 119 and verse 9, Psalm 119 and verse 9. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man, and I think any man, cleanse his way 
by taking heed thereto according to thy word, even speaking as if uh, the word of God has a cleansing, uh, pro- cleansing properties like water and what have you. Look with me to uh, Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, as we looked at this analogy, Ezekiel 36 and verse 24. Ezekiel 36 and verse 24. Speaking to Israel and to those who were caught up uh, with idolatry and things like that had been scattered into other countries, he says in verse 24, For I will deliver, uh, he says, I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be uh, clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways, and you shall keep my judgments. He's talking about the cleansing of their soul. And he said, I will sprinkle you with clean water. You know, folks, the greatest water that God wants to use in your life spiritually is the water of God's word to cleanse us Uh, by giving us the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which can cleanse us from all of our sin, as we've talked about looking with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth and to these believers, these Greek believers that had been saved out of great sin, said this to them to remind them of what God had done for them, for those who had truly believed. He says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And folks, you know what? All of us could maybe find ourselves somewhere in this mess. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He doesn't mention baptism here because the waters of baptism do not cleanse anyone from sin or defilement, does not save anyone. We took time to look at other scripture in Sunday school I'm not going to go back over that, but you know what, folks, when it comes down to this, God wants to, if you will, give us spiritual cleansing by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. If you will, Titus 3, Titus 3, and the evidence of it is a changed heart, as we saw in in, uh, Ezekiel 36, God takes away the stony heart, the stony heart of resistance and rebellion and replaces it with a submissive heart. Doesn't mean we're going to always do everything perfectly, but it changes our heart. Changes us, folks, from the inside out. And Titus 3 and 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be uh, no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward a man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now the washing of regeneration speaks of the new birth, he speaks of it as, a, as a, an, a, a spiritual cleansing that takes place when we put our faith and trust in the Christ that died and was buried and rose again for our sins and justification, which he shed on us, verse 6, abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, meaning God gave us, gives us the Holy Spirit as soon as we trust him, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we're talking about the a cleansing that comes to us as we, as we are in submission to God's word and his will, especially concerning salvation. 1 John 1, 1 John chapter 1, <clears throat> looking at verse 5, 
1 John 1 and 5. 1 John 1 and 5. This then is the message which we have heard and declare unto you, that God is light and and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Folks, the cleansing of your soul, that which cleanses us from all sin, is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. Now, as I mentioned this morning, you know what, folks? We don't have to take a bath in the blood of Christ. It's an analogy, folks. We put our faith in the shed blood and the blood sacrifice for you and I on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says that almost all things are by the law, purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sins. And so it is important, and it is true, that Folks, the evidence of, if you will, our cleansing is our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you will, this morning, lastly, I want to talk about a lack of submission to God's word and will is the evidence of a lack of spiritual cleansing. If you will, look back to John 13, John 13. The evidence of of our cleansing is our submission to his word and will. But if you will look at verses 10 and 11. Jesus saith saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Now Peter is is the one he is addressing and he's ta- telling him that you're, if you've been made clean by the precious blood, by faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, you've been forgiven and cleansed of all your sin, cleaned every whit. All the sin is gone. Cleaned eternally, past, present, and future sin, all of it. And the evidence of that is our submission to His Word and will and salvation. But a lack of submission to God's Word and will is evidence of a lack of spiritual cleansing. Now he's talking about, if you will, in verse 11, for he knew, he says in verse 10, uh, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Then he clarifies what he's saying in verse 11, for he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Now he's talking about someone uh, specifically. He's talking about Judas, and Judas was a chosen apostle of the Lord, professed to know the Lord, professed to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, trusting in the precious blood of Christ. And yet, and yet Jesus said, but not all, not all of you are clean. Look with me to John 6, John chapter 6 this morning and beginning in verse 66. we know who would betray Christ, and that was Judas. In John 6 and 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. This is Peter again speaking up for all the, what seemed to be all the apostles. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. You know, it's an amazing thing and a heartbreaking thing to me to imagine as a pastor, as I preach the word of God to people, that I, that I see people come, they, they come, they grow up sometimes hearing the truth of God's word and then go out to abandon it. To go out to abandon it. That's a heartbreak. And folks, to imagine that maybe some have even been members of the Bible Baptist Church for years 
and will not finally find themselves in heaven one day just because, you know, being a member of the Bible Baptist Church isn't going to get you to heaven. You're going to have to put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Not in me, not in a church, but in Christ. And that's our submission to the word of God and salvation and his will for salvation. Peter says, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, but one of you is a devil. One of you is not a true believer. One is not truly saved in John 10. And 26, John 10 and 26 says, Christ is answering uh, the, uh, the unbelieving Jews around him when they said, Art thou the Christ? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus said in verse 26, But you're, ye believe not because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. And he had told them countless times that he was the Christ. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You know, Jesus, the Bible says that the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God knows who is a genuine Christian, and he knows who are those who are fakes. He knows it and understands it, even where sometimes we don't. Look with me to uh, John 17. John 17, the Lord's Prayer, His intercessory prayer for His people. In John 17 and verse 11. John 17 and verse 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee, Holy Father, keep through Thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. As again, he is referring to the apostle, if you will, Judas Iscariot. He called him the son of perdition. The son, if you will, the child of the devil, the son of perdition, if you will, the judgment of God. He was not going to heaven, but rather going to hell. What a heartbreak. I, I believe with all my heart that Christ wanted even Judas to be saved, and yet he wouldn't be. By his own choice, he refused to believe and trust Christ to cleanse him uh, from his sin. It's sad, the Bible says we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 and 26 says, Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 1. <clears throat> and we'll begin in verse 1. I'm going to read a longer passage of scripture here on purpose. In Isaiah 1, beginning in verse 1, the vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his, own, his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Will, will ye revolt more and more? The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. From the sole of the feet, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter, daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. 
except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been likened to Gomorrah. Now he's addressing Israel. He's addressing, if you will, those that he even professed to be his children. They imagined because they were Jews, they were automatically the children of God. They had everything going for them. They would go to heaven, have all the blessing of God. And just the opposite was said to them. He said, your children, they're your disobedient children. You've rebelled against me. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, and give ear unto the, uh, unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Now he's referring to them as those that were Sodom, uh, Sodomites that lived in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. God judged them because of their sin of sodomy, homosexuality, and things like that. He judged them for their sin. He's referring to them. He's trying to get their attention. You have sinned against me, and you need cleansing. He says in verse 11, To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with it. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Now, he's not painting a very pretty picture of these Jews at this time. And he's not commending them for going through the forms of worship because their heart wasn't in it. They were playing the hypocrite. They were going through the motions. Going through the motions. And the Lord knew that they didn't ha he didn't have their heart. Wash you, verse 16, and make you clean. Put away the evil doings from, from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You know, the Lord was brokenhearted over the condition of Judah and Jerusalem at that time. In some places, he said, you're worse than Israel, or if you will, Edom. He was upset with them, brokenhearted. And you know what? He was calling them to be cleansed, calling them to submission to his word and his will for their life to find, help them to find cleansing. And they would not. They would not. Sad, but it's true. Sad when sometimes we get up and we preach the word of God to people and they would rather just go through the motions than be right and real. Matthew 15, Matthew 15 and verse 1, Matthew 15 and 1. Even in Christ's day he encountered the same kind of spirit with Israel. Matthew 15 and 1, then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they washed not their hands when they ate bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. See, they weren't in submission to the word of God. They didn't care about the will of God. What they cared most about was being able to observe their religion the way they wanted to. They weren't clean. And Christ said in verse 7, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. 
You know, Christ, the, the Lord Jesus Christ was more concerned with the condition of their heart. They were, they were not in submission to the word of God or the will of God. And you know what he said? You're playing the hypocrite. You're putting on the face of religion. You go through all the forms of religion, but you know what? It's not real. And folks, God is a real God. And God is concerned over the real state of our soul. God's not playing a game, and yet sometimes people are. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. You know, there are many in our world today that have the form of being a Christian. They have the talk, they have the opinions, they have the opinions, they have the form, but no substance, no heart, no true submission to the will of God. And that should give them cause to wonder, am I truly saved? You know, the Lord was trying to get the attention of Israel in Isaiah chapter 1 because of their rebellion and lack of submission to the Lord. To the Lord. Matthew 7 and 21. Matthew 7 and 21. Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, anybody can say, Lord. Many, anybody can say, I love Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Does it mean they're all going to heaven because they, they say so? No. Even the Lord Jesus Christ is telling us no. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of great and good things supposedly done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Christ. What does it matter? <clears throat> Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things? Verse 20, 23, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. You know, what's really important to us will come out in us. Are we truly in submission to his word and his will? You know, yesterday as I preached, you know, something that broke my heart is to look out and see some people mocking God's word. Mocking God's word. Now you know what? Didn't matter. It seemed, I guess, it didn't matter to them what attitude they had towards the word of God, and even toward the one who delivered the message. You know, sometimes people think, well, they're mocking just a man. They're mocking just a man, folks. You, 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 the Bible says that Jesus said, if they receive your word. It's like they've received mine. You know, what, what, what are we talking about? What, what, what did I preach yesterday? The Word of God. And I, I, I marveled at the outright uh, scorning and mockery of the Word of God. Even as I preached it, I thought to myself, wow. Wow. Do, don't they realize that they're playing with eternity? And that even as we talked about sin and some mock, the Bible says fools make a mock at sin. They weren't taking it seriously. And they're going to suffer because of it. Look with me to Galatians 6. 
And I say these things not because I'm angry, but because I'm upset. To watch that kind of a spirit go on makes me wonder, where are they finally going to end up? In Galatians chapter 6, and if you will look at verse 7, and I want you to look at these words. God says, he starts off, be not deceived. You know, I think, and I thought of some of this yesterday. Some of these that sat here and mocked the word of God are self-deceived, imagining that they're never going to be accountable for that. Really? There may have been some who wondered whether some things were sin or not. I hope we left them with assurance of what sin is and how serious a matter it is. And yet some mocked. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You know, sometimes people respond with mockery and scorn. I mean, Christ, as he hung on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says they mocked him, they derided him, they made fun of him, and on and on it went. And you know what Christ's response was to them? He cried out from the cross of Calvary and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ was brokenhearted for their sakes. Because he knew where it would lead them to. He knew their end. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that uh, soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And I thought to myself as I watched some of the mocking going on. I thought to myself. How many of those folks profess to know God? To believe that the Lord was their Savior? And I tell you something, folks. It gave me pause to wonder whether they were true Christians. You say, well, you don't know. How do you? Don't judge. I'm not judging. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. You know, because, folks, the Lord knows. The Lord knows them that are His. He knows when people mock the truth. He knows when they sow to the flesh instead of sowing to the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, look at verse 5. You know, the Apostle Paul, in dealing with the, uh, the church at Corinth, you know, Paul went to Corinth he preached the gospel to them. Folks got saved, scripturally baptized. He had, he had organized a church in Corinth. He's writing to a church that he established that now was beginning to, to turn upon him, criticize him, become his enemy. And he said to them in verse 5, examine yourselves. They were spending a lot of time examining him, finding fault with him, but not with themselves. He says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? He said, but I trust that ye shall shall know that we are not reprobates. Paul is saying, listen, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Do you know the Lord for sure, for real? Has the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed you from your sin? Where's the evidence of it in your life? Are you submissive to his will and his word? You know, it's easy to say, I I believe. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. They're not going to heaven. They rebelled against God in heaven. And were cast out, will finally be cast out. When God has war with them in heaven. Galatians 4. If you will, look with me to verse 17. And Paul was concerned because there were those that had come into the churches of Galatia with a false gospel. They were trying to uh, mix 
keeping the law with grace to find salvation. He, Paul called it in, in Galatians 1 a false gospel. In Galatians 4, and if you will look with me to verse 17, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. You know, there are some preachers that refuse to ever cause people to look at themselves and ask themselves, am I really a Christian? They think it's almost a sin to cause anyone to have to examine themselves. Paul said to the church at Corinth, examine yourselves. Paul is saying to these Galatian churches and those that were members of those churches that were beginning to embrace a false gospel and turn away from the truth, he said, I stand in doubt of you. Where were those that were crying out, who are you to judge? Who are you to judge? Paul understood salvation. He understood what was going on. And he said, listen, I have my doubts about you. You say, preacher, have you ever doubted somebody whether they were saved or not? Yeah. Who are you to do that? A pastor who's supposed to be watching for your soul. A pastor who's supposed to be watching for your soul. You know, I was shocked. I was shocked at the attitude of, and the mocking of some yesterday. And I, just, I couldn't believe it. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Are you naive? Well, when, when sometimes it comes across the way it did yesterday, I'm shocked that anyone could be so bold as to laugh and mock at the truth of God's word. as if it weren't true. Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Look at verses 9 and 10. Paul writing to Timothy said this, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens, unto Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Now, the, the latter two don't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be a negative connotation with their departing. They went on to serve the Lord, do some other things. But he says in verse 10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, he says he's forsaken me, but in a sense, in a greater sense, it seems that he's forsaken the Lord. Forsaken his word, forsaken his will, and you know what? For what? For love of this world. For love of this world. First John 2. And look at verse 15. God plainly says something about this matter. In 1 John 2 and 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's talking about the possibility that some of these folks might not be saved. And he says, well, what, lo- what things should we not love about the world? Well, he says in verse 16, he identifies, For all that is in the world, what things? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth what? The will of God abideth forever. What is the will of God for all men that they might be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth? That they might be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. But to love the world, and he's talking about loving the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. 
And he that, that loves the world can't love the Father. What do you love? What do you really... Now listen, be honest with yourself today. Now see, sometimes I, I think the, the question of honesty is missing. People don't mind putting on a face of love to God. But whether they truly love him or not is altogether something different. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 12, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Who do you love? Have you ever been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son? You know, folks, to, to them that believe, the Bible says he or Christ is precious. Amen? Is he really precious to you? So much so that you'd be willing to stand up for him, live for him, and die for him? You know, it may come down to that someday. Demas wasn't. He said, you know, see ya, Paul. See you see later, buddy. <laughs> You're on your own. I'm sick of this. You know, you know what, what I struggle with? is watching sometimes young people grow up and literally say, I'm done with this and go their own way instead of going God's way. You know, we said when we got saved, I'm sick of my way. The Bible says we have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him or Christ the iniquity of us all. We need to go God's way. We need to come to Christ saying, I want your way the truth, and the life. What way will you go? In Matthew 13. See, the, those dogs love my preaching, amen? Not. Matthew 13. And if you will... <clears throat> Look at verse 18. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receives seed into a stony place is the same as he that heareth the word and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. You know, one out of four of those grounds brought forth any fruit. In effect, he was saying maybe one out of four people that hear the truth of the gospel will be saved. We'll hear it and receive it rather than mock it and scorn it. Matthew 7 again. Matthew 7. <clears throat> and look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. It means they have the appearance of being a sheep or a Christian. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather th grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth uh, good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. What is the fruit of your professed salvation or faith in Christ. What is the fruit of it? Has the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed you from your sin? Or do you just have the, the trappings of being cleansed? You know, I've baptized people in this church. I've baptized people who profess to know the Lord. I've baptized them because they profess to trust Christ. I've baptized and then watched them walk away. And never come back. But they profess to believe. They profess to be Christians. They profess to desire to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. And go on and live for God. And yet, 
Sometimes I'll do it one week and they're gone the next. Well, why is that, preacher? Maybe they don't know anything at all about the cleansing of their sin. Christ is not precious to them. They're not, they weren't honest with me or themselves. You know, I know of an individual that since the time I baptized them and made them a member of this church by scriptural baptism, professed salvation, they have been less faithful than, the, than they were before they started, before, while they were coming, before they got baptized, became members. You say, why is that, preacher? Something's wrong. I accepted on good faith their profession of faith in Christ. And hardly they have been here, hardly. You say, well, are you mad at them? No. I'm brokenhearted over them. Because my greatest fear is that they're genuinely not saved. And being a Baptist won't get them there. Being baptized a Baptist won't get them there. Are you saved today? Do you know what it is to truly be cleansed of your sin, be on the road to heaven? Are you obedient, submissive to his word and his will? A lack of it shows a problem. Now, Christians can sometimes be, not be in submission. But when the bent of a person's life who professes to know God leads them to mock and scorn God and his word, What's wrong with that? I might say to them, I stand in doubt of you. The Lord will say to them one day, if they're not truly saved, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. Are you truly saved? You know, the story is told of an interview with Abraham Lincoln long after he'd been inaugurated president. A friend asked him if he loved Jesus. The president buried his face in his hands, in his handkerchief, and wept and sobbed. He said, he then said amidst tears, when I left home to take the chair of state, I was not then a Christian. When my son died, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and looked upon the graves of our dead, who had fallen in defense of their country, I then and there committed myself to Christ. I do love Jesus. <clears throat> that he said, the spectacle of the crucified one, which is before my eyes, is more than sublime. It's divine. He said, a gentleman having an opportunity to meet the President Lincoln at five o'clock in the morning went a quarter of an hour before the time appointed. While he waited for the appointed time, he heard in the next room a voice as if it were a grave conversation and asked the attendant standing by, who is talking in the next room? He said, it's the president. The president, sir, replied the attendant. He said, is anybody with him? The gentleman, the, the gentleman inquired. He said, no, he is reading the Bible. Is that the habit so early in the morning? Yes, sir, he spends every morning from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock reading the scriptures and praying. Abraham Lincoln was out, could be heard to speak aloud as he prayed and cried out to God. He said, I love Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Are you saved? Have you been cleansed by, the, by faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son? Is it real? Or, or are you maybe waiting for the first opportunity to cut and run and do your own thing? You know, it's sad to imagine. I, I watched it years ago in a bigger church that I was a member of. I watched people come and go all the time. I'm not saying there wasn't at times mistreatment by people. There are times when I'm not a nice guy either. And I mistreat people. And they may want to leave because I'm a knothead. That shouldn't be the reason they leave. And I, shouldn't be, I should behave, amen? But why did a lot of them leave? 
They walked away from the truth. We're not of submission to the truth of God's word or his will by their own choice. I appreciated what John had to say the other day. He said, now your, your life is yours. It's your choice. Amen. And I don't care how old you are. It's your choice. If you're going to be saved, it's your choice. If you're going to stay unsaved, it'll be your choice. Do not play games with God or your soul. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.